But like interoperability in general will be a um, massive thing going forward for the whole crypto space because there'll be some blockchains that do things better than other blockchains and you want to give people that choice to just move around freely as they want. Airdrop, the show that'll help you understand what NFTs are, how they work, how to use them, and all that good stuff. I'm Rawion, and I'm here with my good friend Phosphorus, and we're going to make sure that you know who Satoshi Nakamoto is so you don't look silly at your next Bitcoin garden party, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're talking to Brian, the founder of Satoshables, about the importance of interoperability. In this episode, we're going to talk about his Satoshables project and all the awesome stuff they're doing with their bridge from ETH to Stacks. We talk about the myth of Satoshi Nakamoto, and we also talk about the work the Satoshables are doing to help fund schools and communities around the world, as well as a bunch of more awesome stuff. Rawion, this was a great episode. I really yeah. loved the chat about interoperability and what it means to live in a world where you can take your things you bought on one chain and move them to another. I think that's right. huge. Yeah, and I I just really appreciate that we were able to get into how that actually works, like what that actually looks like because you know, you could say like, oh yeah, it'll it'll it's a bridge from this chain to another. It's like, but how? What do I do to like bring an NFT from one chain to another chain? What does that mean? Where does it go? How does it work? You know, and people can just assume they know how it works, but we don't usually get a full explanation of how that kind of thing works, right? Yeah. And I also love how Brian talked about just the art style of the Satoshables yeah. and how it's like that comic book kind of feel and where he got the artist and just kind of the whole feeling they're going for with the Satoshiable project. Right. And it's such a cool project. We talked about how a lot of times the art in the NFT world is kind of whack, but he found this great artist who was able to make something so simple, but once you start adding the attributes to it, it can become this whole other world. Like a Satoshiable can look like anybody basically just by changing an attribute here and there to the to the base character, which is really awesome. This episode is awesome. Make sure you follow Airdrop on Twitter at Airdrop Show. Make sure you follow along on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Every comment, every review, it really helps us. And without further ado, let's drop in. Awesome. Okay, so Brian, we just want to start real quick with like we start every podcast, if you can just explain to us in the most simplest terms, what is an NFT? Like you're explaining it to a fourth grader or like a kid in elementary school. If you're explaining an NFT, how do you break it down? Yeah, it's one of my favorite questions to answer at the moment, actually, because <laughs> it's a difficult one to explain to people who have no crypto knowledge. And then everyone has their own take as well in the crypto space. But I kind of, in my mind, similar to how people ask the question of like, what is the internet? back in the 90s. And because it's such a new technology, people were trying to get onboarded on this technology. They're asking, what, what can I do with this thing? And I think it boils down to what's the core use case of it. And in the case of the internet, the core use case was obviously a really efficient way of communicating anywhere in the world. And then when you look at NFT, it's a new, brand new technology. People are trying to onboard to it. And if you answer the question of what it is boiled down to, it's ownership. So it's a way of proving digital ownership much more efficiently than 
the, the standard ways you do right now in the physical world. So yeah, it's all about ownership. And with that comes obviously the many different use cases, especially when it comes to things like digital art, which has been the most popular aspect of NFTs at the minute. A way of artists actually proving that they own a piece of artwork is, is a huge deal. Yeah, I just saw a tweet the other day. I'm kind of looking for it right now. But it was saying how in 1996, the same percentage of people that had email addresses is approximately the same as now as people that have like .btc or .eth. We're still in that growing section of people that have internet access to this at one point in time, as we did in 1996. I think you nailed it on the head. What the internet did for communication, NFT technology will be doing for ownership. Absolutely. On, yeah. on the internet. And us humans, we love ownership. Yeah. Every two-year-old loves to know what's theirs. Definitely. And it's, I'm super excited to see what kind of things will come out of this as well. I mean, no one imagined what the internet would turn into in the 90s. And it's just really uh, amazing to try and imagine what these NFT technology will do in the next 10, 15 years. You know, I think that it's going to change everything. Personally, I think, you know, every kind of contract you've got on paper right now will be an NFT. I mean, it's obvious for me. It's got to totally re rebrand the whole artwork scene in terms of like, how, how artists get their name out there, how they can take ownership of their own work and really sell things. M- music industry's got to be massive as well in terms of that because that's already been, it's went through its progression already with the whole Napster thing, you know, in terms of taking back a little bit of control. But then now it's got to be fully controlled in the artist's uh, hands, which is great as well. So I'm just really excited to see what the next five years has got to bring to the NFT space. Awesome. So how did you get into the world of NFTs. We're going to talk about your project, Satoshiables, in a second, but how did this start? When was the first time you heard that term, NFTs, and what did you think? Yeah, it was um, back in 2017 with CryptoKitties. I think uh, if you were in the space at the time, you could not see CryptoKitties. They were like everywhere. But at the time, I had no idea what an NFT was. Like I couldn't wrap my head around it then, the whole ownership side of things as well. I think that with CryptoKitties especially, they, their whole um, breeding aspect and everything really took over the ownership side of things. So everyone was more focused on the fact that it was a collectible thing that you could breed. And so that was my first introduction to it. And then I didn't really buy any CryptoKitties or anything then. I just went, that's pretty cool. And then just didn't do anything with it, actually. I was a crypto fan in general, you know, in terms of buying some Bitcoin and holding it and, and Ethereum, etc. Until basically 2020 is when I started with DeFi and things like that. And got involved with a lot of rug pulls there and stuff. Um, and then by the end of 2020, I started to notice NFTs were ramping up again. The buzzword was going around. DeFi projects were starting to introduce NFTs themselves. And then I thought, okay, what is this? You know. And then I looked into the artwork that was there and I thought, wow, this is really bad artwork. Like, you know, people, <laughs> people, are, people are buying this stuff right now. It's weird. And right. I kind of had the idea, well, if this is going to take off maybe next year, then it'll be good artwork. Some some good artwork has got to come along and they've got to use the same technology. And that's when I basically hedged my bets on that and, and started Satoshiables. Yes. I am with you on that. The fact of like, you look at NFTs and you're like, wait, where's the good art? So <laughs> Right. So let me get this straight. So with Satoshiables, what was your first couple steps? You were like, we need to find a great artist right away. What, what did you kind of do? Absolutely. Well, my, me, myself, I'm not an artist. I'm a designer um, and a developer, but I'm not an artist. I had an idea of doing a, a kind of Bitcoin-themed NFT, and then I thought it would be fun to do um, one branded with Satoshi, uh, specifically the Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto with, with his whole rise to fame. Uh, he's pretty much a legend in the space now and everyone basically loves him whether he likes it or not. He's our mascot uh, to Bitcoin. 
So I, I definitely had the idea of doing that. And when I seen projects like Board Eight Yacht Club and, and, and Punks as well and their whole uh, generative way of doing it, I thought, okay, cool, let's get a good artist involved and he can basically make the layers for me. I'll program the code to generate the NFTs and then we'll launch the project. So in terms of looking around, I was just looking at different portfolios on the web. And that's where I found our artist, young artist from Morocco, super talented comic book artist. And his style was exactly the kind of style that I had in mind. So he quickly basically come on board. And then his first question was, what's an NFT? What is this thing? Why are you trying to get me to take this guy's hair off and then add a party hat on? Like he didn't understand the concept. Up until then, he was used to destroying portraits for people's family and or, or their dog or their cat. And then he's wondering, who's this guy related to to this Scottish dude, you know? So, but it was, once we got through that phase, um, we got really creative with it. I added, added our Bitcoin glasses and our different traits and built this up. And uh, I'm just really happy with the result we were able to achieve as well. Wow. There's so many questions I have in there. Bring on. For, for us and our audience and me personally, this will be embarrassing. Can you go over the Dorian Satoshi incident and ha- the meme that happened there? Could you tell that story? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty much it's the stuff of legend, basically. But, you know, Bitcoin itself started off as a, as a white paper and it was published by a pseudonym of a guy called um, Satoshi Nakamoto. And it's not to this day being proven who actually this guy was. And nobody knows who he was, like really. And there was a, a gentleman um, called Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto who happens to be a computer scientist by trade. And he has been involved some ways with Bitcoin project as well. And everyone basically said, oh, so it's you. And then the whole media frenzy went around that and, everyone, and he had like, media chapping at his door and like really hounding him I think it was 2011 and you know he's like it's not me <laughs> he's like I didn't this, <laughs> I, this is not me everyone's like yeah but it was and then it turned into this whole meme thing with his face become pretty popular and pretty connected to Bitcoin in general but I'd love to get his take on like how he feels nowadays but I think that it was a lot about a lot of pressure for him back then with the media of course and everything towards that but I think that in my opinion like nowadays it's just coming from a place of love because you know it's really cool that the guy's been on this journey with us and I've heard stories of him having some great experiences with people in the community as well and getting some selfies and stuff like that so yeah I'd love to hear his take on on how he feels nowadays with everything so the guy in the Satoshibles NFTs is Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto not whoever actually invented bitcoin the legendary mythical satoshi right how did how did that artwork come about like what was the thought process there talk to us a little bit just about the artwork in general because it's really really cool it's really cool yeah thank you yeah that's again that's all credit to ayub for that i would say it's obviously based on a photo of dorian but there's probably a massive percentage of the satoshis which don't look at that original image and I, I put it two ways. So we based it off him, but most of the Satoshi was actually don't look anything like him. And that's my impression of like, well, we don't know who the guy is. So it could be anyone and we could be everyone. Like we're all Satoshi is the kind of motto we want to go with. So, you know, because Bitcoin is obviously a collective project. Everyone's involved in it in terms of even if you're holding it, if you're mining it, if you're a node or whatever, you know, and every project since Bitcoin uh, that's came from it is also an extension of that as well. So we owe a lot to this white paper and Satoshi was just kind of trying to pay tribute to that. In terms of the, the original image, with Satoshi number one, basically, that was based off a photo of Dorian. There was two decisions I had to make. One, should we use it? 
was the first one and then what image should we use of Dorian and there's, 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 there is a meme of Dorian which is more like not so flattering let's say the photo of him he's kind of pulling a funny face and I didn't want to do that right because it's a bit offensive basically right to base it on that and then there's another normal photo of Dorian that's quite popular as well that I used which is more flattering so yeah basically we, we kind of wanted to do it two ways like we want to pay homage to him but also just make it more mysterious in general because nobody knows actually who Satoshi is in real life so that's kind of what the the whole collection as a whole represents. I love that. My favorite thing about Satoshi Bulls is exactly what you said. You know, it's based off of this one guy, but the attributes can make these NFTs look so different yeah. and unique and, and, and specific that the first time I saw Satoshi Bull, I actually didn't know it was, a, it was a Satoshi Bull NFT because I knew the owner and he managed to pick a specific Satoshi Bull that looked a lot like him. So I was like, oh, he got like a picture made of him and that's his PFP. It was like way later that I figured out that it was Satoshi Bulls once I like actually learned about the project. Yeah, it's interesting. We get, we get also like people saying, oh, this looks like Elon Musk. Or we get Brad Pitt, we get Elon Musk, we get Justin Timberlake, we get uh, everything, you know, and like, Oh yeah, it really does actually. It's weird. I don't know what I what magic voodoo stuff Ayub did to the paintings to make this happen, but some some of them do look like Elon, I must say. It's just the archetypal stuff that gets added with the attributes, you know? Yeah, that's really, really cool. We tried to be, you know, at a point we had to say, okay, let's stop, because we were getting to the point where I need to launch this thing. And we were coming up with cool traits every single day. And I, I said to Iowa, okay, now we need to stop. <laughs> I need to start generating these things because we need to launch. But in the end, we, we ended up with 192 traits, which is a decent size to make a good collection. And, you know, at the time, I think you had many collections coming also with 10,000 max supply. And I opted to go with the 5,000 just to give it a little bit more scarcity. And and I think that it shows when you look at the collection as a whole, it's really like hard to pick out two really similar. I do love the artwork. Is there a specific reason why you wanted to do a more comic book type feel? Because a lot of NFTs at this point on Ethereum, it feels like they're kid based or kind of look like small doodles. Is there a reason you went for the comic book feel? I think it's probably just preference. It's just the artwork that I liked at the time, and, and I'm a huge comic book fan in general, so I just kind of wanted to do that. And I feel it's a neutral ground to attract maybe a larger audience, like you say. The pixelated one is maybe a little bit of like, you love it or you hate it, where I think that with the comic book style, it's maybe best of both worlds. You've got people who, who can appreciate the artwork because it actually looks semi-realistic. And there was also a, a lot of inspiration from the Board Eight Dot Club as well in terms of they were also in a similar vein. They're not quite comic book, but you know, the, the clean lines, that kind of style is, is what I wanted to go for as well. I love it. So when you guys first started, you guys started on Ethereum, yeah. right? You, but the, you guys are Bitcoin influenced NFTs on Ethereum. Yeah. Did you know about Stacks when you started or you went on Ethereum because it was the only place? Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's totally right. So basically... Um, it's the only one I knew of at the time. I mean, I kind of semi-knew about the rare pepes and things on Bitcoin. I knew there wasn't a place where I could go and build something. Ethereum was the largest place at the time. There was many tutorials for me. So that was my extent of it. Even though Stacks was around at the time, I, I didn't know about it. However, uh, Trevor Owens basically was a huge Satoshi's fan. At the beginning, he minted a lot. And, and he was the one that contacted me and said, oh, these are really cool, but you know, you need to get them on Stacks. And I'm like, what's stacks, you know? And, and he explained about the whole Bitcoin security aspect of everything. I said, oh, that's really interesting, you know? And, and obviously being a Bitcoin themed NFT, we need to try and figure this out. So I think it was probably not even a month after we, we minted out. 
uh, on, on ETH that we started this whole journey to try and get onto Stacks. And that was last August. So happy to launch the thing, you know, happy to get it out there. I think we launched it also at the right time, even though it was on Ethereum, you know, and we right. went out and, and we got that volume in and we got made a name for ourselves, which is great. So, you know, no regrets or anything. Ever since then, what can we do to get ourselves on the stack? Because we, I believe basically in stacks long term and I'm really bullish on it. And it's like, well, in 2017, ETH was also just early days and they had to fork and they had the problems and, they, you know, they were trying to get a mass adoption and things. And I see Stacks the same way. It's super early days, super great team. I mean, the only way is up, basically. So I'm like, okay, let's try and get Satoshiables a presence on there as soon as possible so that we can become one of the, one of the first ones over there and, and, and try and like cement ourselves as to become a, you know, a, a decent NFT project there as well. So in five or 10 years, people look back and go, oh, okay, they were in the mix. As one of the early adopters of Stacks and does get there and, and benefit from the ecosystem. So let's just review real fast why Satoshiables is such a big deal in the Stacks ecosystem. Besides having amazing artwork, which it does, and it's Bitcoin themed, which is awesome. What you guys did was we were first on Ethereum and then you bridged over to Stacks. Could you go over that real fast of like what does that mean? So now you could take your NFT that it was on Ethereum and you could move it to based in Bitcoin, right? That's right. That's right. So when we opened up this conversation of let's try and get a presence on Stacks, I asked some questions like, well, how do you do that? Do you want to mint a separate collection there? Meaning that the kind of overall number of socials will be duplicated, right? Which is not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to dilute the supply, you know? Do we, do we bite the bullet and just... Say if you want to move to Stacks, you're burning your Ethereum one forever and then it's minted on Stacks and you can never go back. You know, that was an option. But, you know, we landed on ultimately, I want to give people the choice. And and it's all about, that's how I want to do it. If I was a holder, I would want the choice, right? And I want to just go back and forth as I please. So that's the, that was the thing I decided to, to target and that was the goal we basically achieved, which is I'm really happy with. But it's not an easy thing to do. So there was a lot of back and forth of terms of how, how do we do this thing, you know? And the concept is, you can take your Satoshi ball on ETH and then bridge it over. And what, what that'll do was it'll lock it on the ETH side and then it'll unlock it on the stack side. And the, the result of that is that one single ID, one single Satoshi ball cannot live on both blockchains at the same time. And that's a pretty unique thing as well. And I think it's a, it's a pretty cool aspect to what we've done. Wow. Okay. So NFTs are really about digital ownership. And when I first got into this space, there was a word popped up that I had never heard before. It's called interoperability, which I had to go look up. (laughs) But it basically means that you can take one thing from one place and move it to another on the internet and you can take it and you can use it in both places. And so what you're doing with Satoshiables is you're making it interoperable, right? Yeah, that's that's totally right. And my take on interoperability is basically like it's not just about moving it there for for, for no reason. Like you, you you would move these things for a reason, and interoperability gives you the ability to do these things. So my example would be like, why would you want to move your Satoshi with the stacks? Well, you know, there's two reasons. One would be to have an NFT which is backed up and secured by Bitcoin. It's a major major selling point for us. But then it's also having access to that market, which is a completely new up and coming growing market with like the own liquidity. So that's like the two the two reasons why you'd want to go there. But like interoperability in general will be um, a massive thing going forward for the whole crypto space because there will be some blockchains that do things better than other blockchains. And you want to give people that choice to just move around freely as they want. If they want to do something like ETH, let's say it's, ETH will be, become the massive um, player for metaverse things, which is already looking like it will be. Then you just have the interoperability there to, to move your NFT from 
some Solana back to Ethereum from Stacks to whatever you want to take on. But like every blockchain, I, I think, will eventually have its, its main use case. And that's how I see it. I think Stacks, its developments and also just like Lightning payments and Bitcoin direct payments as well. It's got to be huge for, for the Stacks ecosystem in terms of just the onboarding Bitcoin people. I think, that, I think that once that happens, the market there's got to explode, the liquidity will explode. So in terms of who's going to have the best marketplace, that's that's hard to say. But niche things like, like Metaverse or DeFi or, you know, physical and real life transactions, what one blockchain will probably win on those specific things. And then that's where interoperability will come when you want to just be able to have your asset that you can just transfer around the place, you know, and it's not just stuck in one bubble. Yeah. And I think I heard this example in my research, listening to a podcast. So this is not my example, but I heard it. It's talking about how when you go to a hotel, you can buy new clothes and shoes that you can use in the hotel and it's yours, right? But it's not interoperable if you can't leave the hotel and take it with you. <laughs> exactly. Right? And technically, you're still renting those things, even exactly. though you quote unquote own it, unless you can take it out. And so that is what interoperability means. It means you can buy the things at the hotel or at Disney, yeah. right? If you're going to Disneyland, and you can take it with you outside of the park. And exactly. I think that's what you guys have done here is you can buy it on Ethereum but you can also take it with you yeah. to stacks and vice versa back and forth. And I think that is really significant and historical. So I just want to say congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really, really proud to, to basically pull it off and get over there. And I love that analogy. So basically what you're saying is like the NFTs are like your suitcase. <laughs> and then the interoperability or bridge part is like the airlines. So you can take right. a suitcase and you can go around the world on the bridges basically. So yeah, I think... Um, it's got to be a really cool, cool thing going forward. You, you've got to see a lot more, a lot more bridges popping up um, throughout throughout the, the whole crypto landscape. So the ultimate goal actually is is not just is the need for no bridges. That's like the the, the true interoperability where you can basically you call a function on a, on a solidity contract on ETH, and Stack knows about it. That's the true magic there. Like if that can happen, then it's then it's true interoperability. Yeah, we're still so early in this. I also feel like I'm so far behind at the same time, but we are so early in how this is what's happening that I think the NFTs now that have the most value will be the ones that did something big. Because right now I do think the NFT market is almost oversaturated at this yeah. point and you're seeing rugs left and right. And rug basically means that some guy did a project and then just took all your money and didn't do anything with it. So you're stuck with it. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going around, but I do think the ones that will hold value in the long term are something that have been historical. And so I just, yeah, give a round of applause for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, for any listeners that are listening to us that are really new to the space, I think it's just take your time and, and really don't rush into any projects and, you know, invest in projects for the long term rather than trying to get the quick gains because that's maybe where you'll be hurt the most because it's it's so saturated right now, it's hard to choose a good project. And it's nothing to do, I mean, projects may have the best intentions, but, you know, it's, they have to have a road, they have to have a plan, right? You can't just put, a, put an NFT collection out there with no plan in place. And it's, it's really easy to get stuck on the hype train and, and get sucked into the hype and just buy something and then you're stuck with it. So all I'll just say is just please do everyone do their own research and try and, and ask questions, ask the team questions, you know, get in their Discord or whatever and say, you know, what's your plans and get a feeling for how they're doing, what their actual plan is for, for everything. That's the only recommendation I would make. Awesome. We want to talk about the monsters. You're expanding basically what um, Satoshi Bulls is doing. Can you just give us the rundown on the monsters and how it's all going to work? 
Yeah, sure. It was launched last Halloween, uh, last last October, and we were just looking at like how do we get more of Iob's artwork out there? You know, what kind of fun things can we do for Halloween as well? But it was not just a Halloween idea collection. Can we do something in a way where we can introduce? Another component to Satoshi Wills. The team got on a call and says, listen, you know, we've got Halloween coming up. We could maybe launch something then and make it an ongoing thing. And every time we got on a call with the team to, to plan this thing, we added a new aspect to, to the to more creative aspect to it. And it, it literally turned into a monster. But the, to break it down, basically, it's, it's a whole bunch of new uh, artwork from IO, monster themed. But it's we built, we built in these cool mechanics where you can actually like burn monsters to make a prime monster, which has the full monster parts, like a vampire or a werewolf, um, etc. And throughout the collection as well, there's also sprinkled in some very special one-of-ones, some bone crew, we call them, which is a full skeleton with funny attributes. And then you've got also the branded ones. Um, and if you mint one of the branded ones, then you automatically get a 0.333 ETH prize. And then we've got the chosen one as well, which is the one of one throughout the whole collection, which is only going to be minted once the, all the rest mint out. And then um, going forward, we've got to tie them into the whole ecosystem. So right now we're currently working on maybe staking the Satoshables and then how does monsters play into that as well. And, and we can get really creative with that. So maybe you take Satoshable and you lock your monsters in the cage and the Satoshable has to protect the <laughs> cage, has to lock the monsters in the cage, you know, and maybe they break out. Uh, who knows, you know. So there's lots of fun things we've got to do with monsters. And then we see it as maybe like something we can really put pressure on and, and, and do really nice Halloween drops really related to this as well. So stay tuned for October as well. Maybe they're coming to Stacks, maybe they're not. Who knows? We'll see. So that's the, the kind of the journey we're on right now with, with Monsters. This is a super fun part of the project. All right. So in this show, we aren't afraid to ask the stupid questions. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to ask one. You said you burn your monster. What does that mean? Well, literally, you, you take a lighter and... No, I'm joking. You, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, you take it to your phone and yeah, you just light your exactly. phone on fire. You, you stake, Burn your computer. You, you need to stake the monster in the heart and literally light it on fire. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, luckily enough, these terminologies that we, we use in the crypto landscape really tie into the monster's uh, branding here. So staking and burning is, is fantastic. That, that, words to use, that's right? funny. But um, in terms of the when I say in crypto, when you burn a token, either it be um, a cryptocurrency itself or um, an NFT, it means you're just sending it into the black hole. When you send it there, no one has access to it. So they call that burning. And why would you want to do that? Well, in, in general tokenomics terms, you'd want to, you burn things to like control the supply. So if you implement a, a burning mechanism to, a, to the tokenomics of a token, it's an, it's, it then becomes a deflationary token, right? So let's say every time you transact, a small percentage gets burned. Well, that's handling the, the, the overall supply, which is uh, making it deflationary and keeps a check on inflation. NFT-wise, you know, again, it's a similar idea. You, you would want to burn things to reduce the supply. And if you lower the supply of things, then low supply, high demand, you know, that's that's sales 101 mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty much what it is it's a cryptographic way of actually sending tokens to the black hole like no one has ownership of them anymore so if i wanted a prime monster i would need i'm looking at the website right now one two three four i would need six monsters and then every time i burn one yeah I, so then i went from six to five i would get an extra feature is that right no the general monsters are all um, randomly generated Okay. So, so each monster has parts made up of a, a werewolf, a vampire, a mummy, etc. And when you mint a monster, basically, it'll be a mixed up monster of all these parts. And you can then take those parts and make a prime. You can have actually a minimum of two. So you could have, you could take two monsters and make a prime from that. Because those two might have 
two vampire traits, you know, so it's just okay. a, it's based on the parts, actually. And the best case, you've, you've got a minimum of two monsters that you can burn because they happen to have the parts that you need to make the prime. Okay, so burning is just you basically send your NFT to a non-existent wallet somewhere is that how that works we just want i want to make sure we get that answered yeah definitely so everything on ethereum pretty much is based on wallets you know it's either a wallet or it's a smart contract that's how the blockchain works the the, the burn address actually is called on ethereum is is zero 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 so it's like the, the first ever wallet and nobody has ownership of that wallet it's a completely unowned wallet so you're, you're literally sending your nfts to a wallet but no one owns that wallet so yeah basically you're sending it to a wallet is what, is what you're doing all right that's that's good to know yeah. again we ask the stupid questions here we are not afraid of looking silly so <laughs> no i mean there's, there's, there's with everything in, in crypto as well there's ways there's, there's obviously got to be some bad actors there as well right so when you look at for example DeFi projects back or or nft projects now as well you know there could be some malicious code in there where they say they're burning it but they're not actually burning it you know and it goes to some wall so you need to just look at the, the smart contract code and, and when they say they're burning something have a look see where it's going is it really going to the zero 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 address and then everyone knows okay that is a burn address or is it going to someone else's wallet you need to be careful with everything absolutely like everything else there are always bad apples that's how i've been explaining it to people the main question people have for me is like well there's a lot of scams going on i was like yeah but also, there's a lot of scams going on in general. You know, every call you get <laughs> on your phone about your car's extended warranty, they're oh, just trying God. to get some <laughs> some money from you. And But there's also some really good things happening, right? So I definitely want to talk to you about Built With NFT and the giving back that you're doing because that is something that is wonderful. It's a really cool project that's doing a lot of good. So give us a little bit about what Built With NFT is and your partnership and how that all works. Yeah, I mean, it's something myself and the community are actually really proud of. When we minted uh, Satoshi, was, we, we had this idea of like, let's try and give back. And a portion of the, the minting Ethereum was uh, dedicated to do that. And it got to the point where we were like, okay, let's, de- let's donate our first 10 Ethereum, which at the time was like, way beyond anything I'd ever donated in my life before. So I was like, wow, okay, 10, it was like $30,000, you know, at the time. And I thought, okay, let's put it to the community and, and let them choose which um, organization we want to, to donate this to. And there's a website called thegivingblock.com. And they are really cool because what they do is they allow um, charities and organizations to, to basically go to them and say, can you handle crypto for us? Which is a quite a... Not a hard thing to do, but it takes knowledge to do, right? And not every charity in the world knows how to do that. So the Giving Block is a service where these charities can basically go to there and then they'll handle the crypto aspect for it and make sure the, the funds get to those charities. And on that, they have a list of charities that are already in place. And I gave my community that list and said, okay, let's pick one and go for it. And, and what ones that we like, ones that we think are doing a good job and ones that we're passionate about. And the kind of overwhelming response was basically built with Bitcoin, which is an organization who obviously, as the name says, they're, they're building stuff with Bitcoin, right? They accept cryptocurrency, um, they accept all other donations, but what they're doing is they're building communities and building up communities and infrastructure. They're building, literally building schools and they're building um, infrastructure and the communities that need it the most. And, and they're doing it in a way which is really sustainable and long lasting as well, that, that when they get involved in a project, they're there for the long term, which I really, really liked. And the reason I know all of that is because 
I got on the phone with them because, you know, being the Scottish person I am, I'm like, where is this money going? I need to know every detail. <laughs> so I got on the phone call with the founder, Yusuf, and instantly we had it off. I really, really was inspired by everything he was saying and what he'd done so far. And then he blew my mind with what he could do with this 10 Ethereum. And I thought, wow, you know, the amount of things you can do just with that 10 Ethereum is insane. And when you look at the NFT space and these projects making thousands of Ethereum, you know, and secondary sales also of thousands of Ethereum, it's like, wow. I had this brainwave on the phone, this like light bulb on the phone when he started telling me about what he's doing with the schools. They've got over 500 students over there now. And then he asked me about how I made my generative project and the code involved with that. And I had this light bulb moment. I said, well, you know, why don't we get your students basically to paint for us? And then we'll, we'll do the work, we'll scan them all, you send them to me, I'll Photoshop them, I'll write the code, we'll generate a 10,000 collection from the artwork and then just donate 100% back through Built with Bitcoin. And that on that phone call, that's basically where the seed started. And this was last year and basically the, there was a Giving Tuesday, it was a big deal. Let's try and launch this project on Giving Tuesday which was two months away. So we're like, okay, let's just do it. And credit to them, they got boots on the ground over in the schools in Rwanda, Kenya, Nigeria. And they, did, they got 500 students painted based on my template that I gave them. I gave them a template of like an outline and the concept was, please paint what you what you want to be when you grow up, basically. And we had kids from three to nine, all painting like nurses and policemen and teachers. It was really the most humbling thing I've ever worked on, actually. And, and wow. Yusuf, Yusuf said to me, like, some of these kids actually hadn't even used paints creatively before. So you had to literally explain to them, like, what they're doing. Like, why am I painting this thing? And I'm like, well, when you think about kids that age don't even know how to use paints creatively. It's like such a foreign concept to me. Anyway, that was amazing. The artwork itself is totally beautiful. It's made up of two of the children's species. So we took the head and the body and then randomly generated that way. And then from each piece, you can actually see what the child's like name, their last name and their, and their um, age as well and their school location. So the metadata is also in the, in the collection. Unfortunately, though, we launched it at a time when there was also a thousand other projects launching that day, which, is, which was Giving Tuesday. So we really got squashed down when it comes to those projects because they had massive influencers behind them. Our project didn't get off to the best launch, but since then we've, we've, we've made, we've been able to raise up 13 Ethereum and we've donated again now 13 Ethereum from that project. And that's already get, got the ball rolling as well. So it's an ongoing thing. It's something that Satoshiables as a project has got to get behind to, to, to put more resources into over time to help and market the thing and grow the thing and working directly with Yusuf every day also talking about stuff he's actually in Africa right now at the schools right now collecting content that we can put on the website um, he's getting interviews from the teachers interviews from the students you know he's he's documenting the whole process of building the new art department so all that content's got to come on the website we'll get it more in the, in the mainstream because um, everyone's basically saying to us oh, wow it's a really cool project why is it not taken off yet like why does nobody know about it and it's it's marketing basically you know it's, it's like everything is trying to try to get our name out there and, and figure some things out. Yeah. So as we record this, where where are you at with the sales for these NFTs? Like I say, so we, since November last year, we were able to raise the 13 Ethereum, which is only actually, uh, I think it's about 300 out of the 10,000. So it's super minimal. Like people need to understand though, even just one of these mints is, is enough to, to like, buy, I think you say like five uniforms, five school uniforms or something like that. Wow. And it's like one mint, right? <laughs> On the website, actually, I asked Yusuf, can you please try and break down like 
estimates of what this can do, you know, in terms of scope. And we did it in chunks. So we said one Ethereum can do this, 10 Ethereum can do that. And, and we broke it down. I think it's like 100 mints. You can redo like basically half a school or something, <laughs> something ridiculous like that, you know, because they're actually empowering the, the people there as well. They're employing the people there. They're giving them a wage. So it's just really it's something I'm passionate about. And, and we're trying to currently work maybe to do something with Stacks. It's not been announced yet, but like we're trying to maybe utilize Stacks as well in some fashion. That's really amazing. I would love to do one episode just on this because I have so many questions. Yusuf would come on that oh that would be awesome i just want to say for the people listening in a lot of places like this some kids won't be able to go to school if they can't afford a uniform and so the buying one of these nfts could literally make a massive difference in the education of five kids five entire human beings that are at the beginning of their life and that's a really big deal so if you're listening to this and you're looking for NFTs to buy, go get these because these are actually making a difference in a human person's life as opposed to, you know, you, you get yourself a, a Bitcoin platypus and you feel good about yourself. You could change a life like that's that's amazing. And I want to make sure the the importance of that is said right here by us. Yeah. And, and if Yusuf was here, what you would basically explain to me as it is, is that it's putting the power back in the hands of the community as well. Like these kids are making a difference. It's their artwork in the end, right? I just put it together. It's literally those kids that are making a difference, not us. And part of what Yusuf is so good at is, is communicating that back to them. So as I mentioned, their organization is always involved and they're not just hands off. They get their boots in the ground and then they're not leaving, basically. So he's actually made relationships with a lot of the families there as well, especially the, the, the ones who, whose children donate, donated their artwork to us. So that will get back to them, you know, the, the, the good that they are doing will get back to these kids as well. So they'll know like, oh, wow. And the plan is also what we're looking to also make a book about this and get all 10,000 pieces in a, in a nice, really nice commemorative book, which is explaining the whole story. So that's what we're working on as well, which I'm really excited about. I love this. I can tell, Brian, that you guys at Satoshables are doing a lot. Yeah, you guys are, you can you guys see are my really. Eyes <laughs> uh, sleep, sleep is not something I am familiar with for the last year. I just commend you on everything you guys are doing. You guys are moving at a lightning paces. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you and what Satoshibles is doing? Yeah, so we're, we're actually in the, in the process of updating our website completely. But on there, you will find links to all of our socials. And I would just recommend everybody to get into the Discord. I think that every NFT project can can probably attest to the fact that Discord is, is the best tool right now to get a community. And that's what it's all about. It's building up community and getting a strong, passionate supporters. And I've been lucky, lucky enough to build that already. And, and we just want to keep expanding on that. I think if you join the Discord, you'll see that everyone's just... Well, they help each other, you know, really interested in space. They're super knowledgeable about everything every day. They're, they're teaching me things about things I didn't know. So please, please join the Discord and get involved. Even if you just have questions to ask, jump in. We're really happy to answer them. Yeah, we need to do an episode on Discord because everything is happening in the NFT world on Discord. Yeah, also a lot of scams though. So <laughs> again, I keep, I keep putting this back there, but even on Discord, it's not a safe. Mostly projects will not... Uh, message you first I, I always get um, people saying is this the real you and, and it's not you know people are pretending to be me as a project owner and and, and sc- try to scam people basically so please be cautious with anything you do in crypto 
it feels like, again, like you said, just to wrap it up at the beginning, like feels like the early days of the internet where yeah. it's like, don't click on any links that random <laughs> people send you. Yeah, it feels exactly. like that again. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to talking again. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun. Thank you so much for listening to Airdrop. If you want to know more about the Satoshiable Project or Monsters or Built with Bitcoin or anything else we talked about in this episode, we put a list in the description where you can find all the links. Make sure you follow Airdrop on Twitter at Airdrop Show and you know, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We're, we're a new podcast and all of that stuff really, really helps. And remember, we're all in this together.